One, hey, two, hey, one, hey, two, hey, three, hey, four, hey, boom, hey, boom, hey, boom, hey. Welcome to the Walk It Out Student Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Jonah Norman. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. What's up, guys? Welcome to uh, our Walk It Out YouTube channel. I'm so excited that you decided to join us tonight. Um, Wednesday service. I have an awesome word I'm excited to share. It's burning inside of me. I've been, ever since uh, the Lord just started speaking to me, um, I've just been so pumped to share this with you. It's, it's really uh, lit a fire under me and, um, and really started some good conversations between me and the Lord just concerning myself and, and what I'm doing. Um, and so I'm excited to share with you. But first off, I want to let you know if you are a member um, of our Walk It Out youth group or if you're not a member and you want to still be involved, next week what we're going to do is we're going to have the entire group, um, anyone who's interested, we're going to actually have a Zoom call so that you guys, I can teach to you live and then um, we'll also still record but I'll teach to you live over Zoom um, and then we will post that out so that you'll get to be a part of it um, but then those who maybe can't be a part then can be a part later on. Um, so I'm excited about that if you have any questions on that go to our instagram page or our facebook page like us follow us and then shoot a message to that group um, to the, the walk it out student ministries i think it's wio students um, on instagram and facebook um, go there send us a message we'll send you the information and um, you can be involved next wednesday um, on that zoom call um, with uh, our service, okay? So that's awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray, and we're going to get into this and uh, see what God has for us tonight, okay? So Father God, we love you so much. We're so honored and humbled that you love us enough to speak to us continually. God, you love us enough to challenge us. You love us enough to grow us, to correct us. Lord, and you continually push us on toward the goal that you have set for us. And I pray that we faithfully follow you in all things. We faithfully follow you as students, as young adults. God, as people who are hungry for you and hungry to see the world changed, and we want to be a part of the generation that does that. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share tonight, the opportunity to share your word, to share the love of Christ, and to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. So tonight, um, I want to start out by reading um, a scripture from Romans. Um, if you're a part of our youth group, uh, I've been speaking out of Romans in one way or another, whether it was specifically a verse from Romans that we focused on or a verse from Romans that we used to highlight something else for probably, what, Kayla, like nine months to a year now. Um, and I can't get enough of it. And every time I think that I'm done, the Lord shows me something else. Um, and so we're going to be in Romans chapter 1 tonight, verse 32. Um, and this is what it says. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, Although they are fully aware of God's laws and proper order, and knowing that those who do all of these things deserve to die, yet they still go headlong into darkness, encouraging others to do the same, 
and applauding them when they do. So this is talking about people who know what's right. They know the goodness of God. They know what the Bible says we are to do and are not to do. And what they do instead, not only do they partake in sinful things, but they encourage other people to sin. And when those people sin, they applaud them. They say, oh, good job. We're so proud of you. You are so bold and brave to sin so vigorously. Congratulations. And they have this attitude that not only do I sin, but when you sin, I think it's a good thing as well. And when I read this, the Lord just convicted me so strongly because I, I thought about how many things do I laugh at? Do I give my money to? Do I uh, share on Facebook? Do I look at on Instagram? Do I do this or do that? Do I joke about? How many times over my life have I applauded something that was very, very um, strictly sin? And by me applauding it and sending it to someone else or encouraging others, I applauded it. The other thing it made me think of is our culture in America today. Whereas used to things that were very hush-hush and things that we didn't talk about and things that the church was, oh, that's bad, don't talk about that. Now, not only has the church remolded itself to make certain sins okay, the world, Hollywood, you know, these these massive um, media outlets that we have, they applaud things, they congratulate things, they encourage things that the Bible says very specifically is sin. And what I'm scared of and what I think has happened is we have a generation that has grown up in a culture that applauds wickedness. And as a result, we applaud it just by nature, not because we um, intentionally go, oh, that's bad, good job. But it has become so ingrained into who we are that things the Bible says is wrong, we clap for and we cheer for just because it's such a modern part of what we do every single day. And that breaks my heart. And this week I've been going and looking at things, what I watch, what I listen to, what I do. And I'm like, okay, is this glorifying God? Is this something I should be applauding? Is this something I should be spending my time doing? Or is this something that's wickedness? Is this righteousness? Remember we talked, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, about loving righteousness and hating wickedness. And I'm trying to make the transition to where not only do I love the things of God, but I have this righteous hate in me for the things that are not from him because I don't want those to infiltrate my life. So we're going to take a deeper look at this tonight. And one thing I want us to think about is this. We have to create a culture that has very sure and specific and very dark lines that separate right and wrong. No longer can we be youth or students, or young adults, or a church, or anything else that would allow the lines of right and wrong to be blurred to where the church begins to look like the world. And we begin to look like those around us. There, uh, if, you, if you look on our Facebook page for Christ Walk Church, um, one of our teachers, Chris Ledbetter, he shared, and he, he shared this statistic, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like um, a large portion of unsaved people said they had Christian friends. But only a very, very small number of those people said they could tell the difference between their Christian friends and their non-Christian friends. And I think it's because we're living in a culture, we have created a culture in the church, in our friend group, that has allowed the lines of right and wrong to be so blurred that that even if we wanted to stand up for righteousness, we couldn't differentiate what was right and what was wrong because we've just accepted so many things that the world has created as a part of our normal lives. 
We must know what is righteous and wicked, and we have to commit to an extreme pursuit of righteousness and an intense opposition of wickedness. Not only should we, we, should we be pursuing righteousness with everything that's in us, we should be opposing wickedness just as strongly. We see that that's why Jesus left such a mark, because not only did he stand for what was right, he very honestly pointed out what was wrong. He stood in the face of those rulers and those people who made the rules, those who had perverted the system. And he stood in front of them and he said, look, this is wrong. And the reason I can speak to what's wrong is because I'm an example of what's right. So we have to not only become an example of what's right, we have to become someone who points out what's wrong, but we can't point out what's wrong until we become an example of what's right. We have to get this if we're going to see a change, if we're going to make a cultural difference, if we're going to make a change in the world around us. This is something that we have to get down. There can be no more passive acceptance of sin culture because it has become mainstream. Just because it's going to get you the most likes on Instagram doesn't mean it becomes who you are. Just because it's the newest fad on TikTok, just because she's cute doesn't mean it becomes who you are and you allow the normal things around you to dictate who you become, even though what you know God has said about you may be in contrast to what the world is saying is popular or, or acceptable or any of those things. We have to remember that we are to love all people, but we're also to oppose all sin. And I've not been good at this. I, I used to subscribe to the idea when I was younger that, well, you know, I'm not doing that. I, I go to those parties, but I don't drink while I'm there. You know, I, I, I hang out with these people and, and, and they do those things, but I don't do those things. And I felt like somehow that I was justified in, in being in those scenarios, even though I wasn't partaking in those actions. And what the Lord has very um, strongly convicted me of this week is that if I won't stand up for him, I'm not living a life for him. The reason Jesus was able to hang out with the sinners and it be okay and it be a good thing is because Jesus was such a strong billboard for what righteousness looked like. There was no compromise. There was no chance of Jesus becoming like the ones who he associated with. A matter of fact, by him being with them, they wanted to be better. And it's because he was so vigorously running after righteousness, but he was so strongly opposing wickedness that there was no, well, what do you think Jesus might do in the situation? They knew. They knew what he would do. And so if you're not going to stand up for what's right, don't put yourself in a situation where things that are wrong are surrounding you because you'll just become snuffed out. Your light will be put out by the darkness around you. Pop culture, the, the culture around us, the things that are popular, they violently, and I mean intensely, oppose Christianity. Not just, they might not say we hate Christians. They might not say Christians are stupid. They might not, they might, a lot of them will. But what they're saying by what they promote is that the values we hold dear because they are taught in the word of God, they strongly oppose those values. They strongly they put money and time and effort into things that are directly in contrast to what the word of God says and what we know to be true. What would happen if the church did the opposite? 
What would happen if the church, instead of laying down and complaining, what would happen if youth, what would happen if a group of 13 to 18-year-olds boldly stood up and said, you know what, we're tired of the promotion of what we know is wrong. We want to walk in the righteousness. We want to walk in the goodness of what we know is right. And no longer will we care about popularity. We'll care about righteousness. We will oppose wickedness. We will oppose what the enemy has planted into the minds of the world around us and we will stand for what's right and we will do our best to take everybody with us that we can. This isn't an opposition to the things that are wrong just so I can be proven right. This is, if you really know the truth, if you really know what God will do and has done for you, what better thing to do than bring everyone else around you into that and let them taste the freedom you have access to. I'm going to read the statement that I wrote. Pop culture violently opposes Christian biblical values. It does it so much so that it has silenced the weak, frail, puny little Christian community. And it has given evil all earthly power. The church is too silent. The church is too scared. I'm not saying that we have to label people specifically. I don't think there's any value in a pastor standing behind a pulpit and just downgrading and speaking against a specific person. I don't think that does a whole lot. But what I do think is that thought processes and and ideas and movies and things like that, that that have become popular, styles of music, topics in music, topics in movies, things that have become mainstream. If we would stand up against them, there would be a change and there would be a shift. The only thing in the world today that I believe is big enough and has enough power and authority to oppose the demonic rule, to oppose um, evil government, evil uh, um, media, all of these things that are covered in sin and we know can be wrong and can be perverted that were made for good the only thing that can oppose them is the church and so we as a young generation we have to be bold we have to stand up against the things around us that we know are enslaving our friends and our families and even us at times and we have to stand for what's right i want to read proverbs 24 10 through 12 to you because i think this This is going to speak to you because I'm sure a lot of you have gone through this. This is what Proverbs 24, 10 through 12 says. It says, if you faint when under pressure, then you have need of courage. Go and rescue the perishing. Be their savior. Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to their death? And why would you say, but it's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of souls and not just yours. He sees through your excuses and he holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives were threatened. If we know the truth of the gospel and we know that Jesus is grace and mercy, when we approach him boldly, he rescues us, he redeems us, and he saves us, then we are blatantly wrong and we will be held accountable for those who we watched walk in sin and we said nothing. We will be held accountable for those who we knew were headed to their doom, but we didn't say anything. 
This has changed things for me because now not only are we called to go out and love and minister to people, we're called to help those who we see falling and struggling. And if you have a friend, if you have someone in your family that you just continually watch silently as they fall down and they stumble, I, this was me. Nobody ever held me accountable in my friend group. Nobody ever said anything until I was already on my butt, wishing I had had somebody help me, wondering what had gone wrong. And then afterwards, they would go, oh, we saw that coming. We saw that coming, Jonah. We could have stuff. Well, why didn't you say something? And I'm not saying it was their fault. It was my fault. But we have to be friends that are bold enough to stand up and help hold each other accountable and lead each other in the direction that we've been called to lead each other. It is our duty to stand up now. It is our duty to shed light on the burning houses around us. And what I mean by that is this. If you're in your neighborhood, so like uh, where, where Emily and I live, um, there's all of our neighbors, our closest neighbors are like really, really close to us. So we can look at Pastor Chip's house right across the yard. And if Pastor Chip's house was on fire and I was sitting in my house, I'm close enough that I could probably, I could definitely feel the heat from his house. And if I knew he was asleep in his bed and Tanner was asleep in his bed and Miss Donna was asleep and I went over there and I just saw them in their bed asleep and their house was on fire. And I turned around and walked out and said, man, that, their house was on fire. And I just start telling other people their house is on fire, but I never wake them up. I never shake them up from their sleep and tell them their house is on fire. Whose fault is it when they burn alive in that house? Yeah, they didn't wake up, but I never did anything to try to wake them up. And so I think it's time that we start addressing the burning houses around us. We start looking at our friends. We start looking at culture around us and we start going, that is on fire. That is heading in the wrong direction. If we don't wake up, then bad things are going to begin to happen. And so we have to be bold. We have to forget comfortability. We have to be brave, love boldly, and fight for righteousness if we want to see breakthrough. One thing that I'm so convinced of and I've been so convicted of here lately is that time on your face, you know, that private time, it is so crucial. It is so important. One of the first videos that I taught um, since we've been in quarantine is the value of the garden, the value of restoring personal intimate time with Jesus. That is the, that is the root system of your walk with the Lord. That is the root system of righteousness is finding the presence of God because that's where you receive grace. That's where you receive favor. That's where you receive wisdom. It all has to come out of that place. But if you never leave that place, if you never get up, if you never stand to your feet, then the time spent on your face was wasted. If we spend all our time wailing and crying about the problems around us and never standing up for what's right and making a difference, then all the time crying was wasted. I told Pastor Chip, he and I were talking yesterday, and I said, you know, if Jesus had never left the garden, if Jesus at, at, at 30 when he started his ministry, if he had gone into a garden and prayed for three years, he would have had no impact on the world because he would have never done anything to cause the people to want him dead. But it was the combination of him going away to the garden and standing up in public, performing miracles, seeing signs and wonders, moving in grace, seeing and explaining a demonstration of the power and authority he had been given. Hebrews 1.9, he loved righteousness and he hated wickedness. And because of that, they killed him and they crucified him. But he had an everlasting impact that we still try to emulate today. And if you're stuck in your prayer closet, never standing for righteousness, never opposing wickedness, you 
You will never leave an impact. You will never make a difference. It takes boldness on our face and boldness on our feet to see a world changed. We've got to become lions, not only lambs. We've got to walk in the fullness of what we've been called to. We have to be movers and shakers. We have to move the supernatural when we pray, and we have to shake the earth when we stand. That is the calling that we have. That is the mandate that we have, is to go into the world, preach the good news to all creation. And part of the good news is that we have the opportunity to turn from the bad news. The good news is not that we have this amazing thing that just embraces all bad news and just makes it good. What happens is we have someone who when we turn from the bad and we embrace the good, he erases our past and he gives us a future. That's the gospel. The refusal or the inability to stand up for righteousness and holy living and call sin, sin, call it what it is. It is such a limiting, painful thing to see happen. We see these Christians, these churches who instead of calling sin, sin, they want to pat it. They want to make it more comfortable. They want to make it a show so that you can come and be encouraged. Let me tell you, to me, there's nothing more encouraging than the truth that I can be set free from the things that I know are wrong. There's nothing more encouraging than to be set free from the things about me that I don't enjoy. There's nothing more encouraging. There's nothing more uplifting to know that there's freedom in the blood of Jesus. And if we don't start calling lust sin, if we don't start calling premarital sex sin, if we don't start calling some of the movies and TV shows and songs that we're listening to and watching sin, if we don't start calling homosexuality sin, if we don't start calling various forms of perversion sin, if we don't start calling drug addiction and alcoholism and these different gods that we've set before us, if we don't start calling them sin, then what is righteousness? Because the longer the line gets blurred into wickedness, the harder it is to get righteous. Because we skewed our view and we believe that Jesus died so we could keep living how we are, not so we could live like he did. And the truth of the matter is, there's grace available for us to walk in the righteousness that God has for us. Proverbs 24, 24 says this. It says, if you say to the guilty, you're innocent then the nations will curse you and the people will, re- will revile you. But when you convict the guilty, the people will thank you and reward you with favor. Speaking honestly is a sign of true friendship. Speaking honestly to those around you, being genuine in pursuits of righteousness and opposition of wickedness, that is what leads into relationships that will last a lifetime. The relationships I value are the ones where people don't just, don't just um, pad me and hug me and coddle me all the time. It's the people who are willing to step out and speak when something's wrong, when something's out of line, and they encourage me, and that's how I grow, and that's the relationships that I value the most. People don't think you can do this and still love and welcome all. People don't think you can oppose wickedness and still be welcoming to all those around us. But the reality of it is, in an effort to welcome all people, we've welcomed all sin. And we've told people the lie that to come to Jesus means you can have grace that allows you to stay the same. And those people simply do not understand grace. 
We have some amazing material out on Grace right now on our Facebook page on Christ Walk. If you'll go to Christ Walk Church on Facebook and you will look up um, the last couple of messages. It's been like a, a Sunday, a Wednesday, and then this coming up Sunday. I'm telling you, it will bless your socks off. It will rock your world. Even as a student, even as a youth, go listen to it. Listen to it over and over again. And you'll begin to truly understand what grace is, what it means to be free, and the power that we have. This is what we need to be welcoming people into. This is the rallying cry, the battle cry of a newness that's coming, of a change that's coming, of an opportunity to lead people into what's right, stand up against what's wrong. I'm so sick and tired of us pretending like we're righteous. I'm sick and tired of us assuming that because it's a church, it's glorifying God. If it doesn't line up with the word, if we're not holding people accountable, if we're not making ourselves accountable, we're not glorifying God and we're not living like Jesus. We've taken the idea that Christ died for everyone and we've left it right there. Christ did die for everyone. He died for everybody to have the opportunity to be separated from their sin, not to be living in it continually. True Christianity is available for all people, but true Christianity is not available for all people who live in lives in opposition to it. Grace is not an opportunity for you to stay where you are and hope that because Jesus is loving, you get to go to heaven. To me, true love, true grace, true mercy means that the benefit, the reward, and the consequence are equal. And we know that in Christianity, in the beautiful gospel that we have access to, in the redeeming love of Jesus Christ, we know that the reward is eternal. It's an eternal relationship. It's an eternal glory in heaven. And we know that the punishment is eternal as well. It's eternal um, damnation, eternal pain and suffering. And to me, that is what a justice and a righteous God looks like. A just and righteous God. That's what he looks like. He looks like where the benefit of me leaving sin, me accepting grace and walking in freedom, and me saying goodbye to the old me. And then the same person who would choose to embrace the flesh, embrace the selfishness, and rebuke God, they receive equal reward. One is eternal damnation and one is eternal blessing. We have to start being honest and we have to start speaking truth. We have to decide if we're going to be Christians or chameleons. This is the last thing I want to say. We have to stop blending in. You're not made to blend in. There's a reason that entire people groups today come together and glorify and honor one man who was both fully God and fully man. It's because when Jesus Christ walked the earth, there was something noticeably different about him. From birth to death, to resurrection, to new life, and his continued living in eternity now. There is something different about who he is. And when you walk like him, people notice that you're different. When you go to a church and you become comfortable in your pew and you slide into the back or you slide into the middle or maybe you sit on the front row. Maybe you sit in the little youth section and you get on Instagram the whole time and you do whatever the heck it is that you do while the pastor preaches and he's boring because he's old and you don't like him and whatever. If you love Jesus, when somebody's talking about him, you'll want to listen. And so you can decide, am I going to be a chameleon who tries to blend into the world around me when I'm there or try to blend into church when I'm at church? Or am I going to be a Christian who no matter what, no matter the group, no matter the people, no matter the place or the time, I look the same. And that me looks like Jesus. So we have to leave understanding this. To merely speak out against sin is not enough. 
Your life must be the billboard for what righteousness produces. And for this, you require grace. Your humanity has to have grace in order to be made righteous. So I encourage you, go check out our Facebook page. Check out the teachings on grace. Couple it with this. Listen to it. Learn it. Understand it. Make a difference in your friend group. Make a difference in the world around you. And be bold as lions. And be brave to stand up for what God has called us to. And don't be a chameleon anymore. Begin to walk in the Christian life you've been called to. I love you. I miss you. Thank you for joining us again on our YouTube page. And we hope to see you again next week. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Check us out on Instagram at WIO Students or Facebook at Walk It Out Students. Boom.